0: We are committed to amplifying the voices of people who are dedicated to Jesus and to justice. How much will justice hey, this is Shane Claiborne, and I am so thankful that you are listening in. Uh, some of you are listening on the radio broadcast and some on the podcast. Uh, I I love doing this show. Uh, right now, I've been doing a whole series around this new book I've written, Rethinking Life. But if you're just jumping in, don't worry at all. You can go back and listen if you want to. But this is kind of building on each other. But I I even think of the books that I I, I write as a part of this continual um, deepening of our faith and our spiritual journey. There's that scripture that says, we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. And so it's it's not just about a moment, but a movement of, of God in us. I mean, if, even if you just think of who you were, you know, five or 10 years ago, or how your theology has evolved over a couple of decades, uh, <laughs> we can say amen to the, the idea that, that uh, we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. And, you know, this new book, Rethinking Life, is about what it really means to celebrate the sacredness of every person as being made in the image of God and to champion life on all fronts, not just on one issue, uh, but but to really to, to become a force for life in the world. And I've been building this foundation for um, a framework for advocating for life. and And right now I've been talking a lot about Jesus because I think Jesus... Um, for any of us who would dare, who dare call ourselves Christians, Jesus is um, the center of our faith. Jesus is, as scripture says, the full revelation of God. And uh, that's where we get our name, Red Letter Christians. I, I told that story in the last episode, but um uh, this, this old Bibles that have the words of Jesus highlighted in red. And in fact, I only found out later, but this is hundreds of years old. It goes all the way back to Ignatius, I think, was the first person who began to uh, kind of set apart the words of Jesus in red. And it's not that the black letters, you know, the, the the other parts of the Bible don't matter or they're less valuable or something, but this is it, is that God's full revelation is seen in Jesus. Um, And as we think of, uh, uh, the the these words in hebrews it said the author of hebrews says in the past god spoke to our ancestors through the prophets and many times and many ways but in the last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom god made the universe the son is the radiance of god's glory the son is the radiance of god's glory and get this the exact Representation of God's being, the exact representation of God's being, sustaining all things by God's powerful word, and He had provided purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty of Heaven. So this idea that that Jesus is God's love on full display. Um, It's also this idea that the Word has become flesh. Uh, no longer do we just have words on paper, but the the word has become flesh. And Jesus Himself said this in John. He said, "You study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. But the Scriptures testify about Me, yet you refuse to come to Me to have life." So that's why I think it. You know, it's it's so important that uh, this faith is not just about keeping. The letters of the law, but it's about falling in love with God in the person of Jesus. Um, Jesus also becomes the lens through which we interpret all of Scripture. And, uh, you know, it was Paul in, in his uh, letter to the Corinthians, it says, we see through a glass darkly. Um, and, and we see even now, you know, we can see God in part, but we, store, we sort of, as you read the Hebrew Scriptures, you have this God that is so big, that is, I am who I am. I mean, that's what what God says, you know, when, when asked God's name, I am who I am, or I am who I am becoming. And this God that we see in the Hebrew Scripture is so powerful that if we look into God's face, we can't live. Or, you know, in Indiana Jones, if you look at the the Ark of the Covenant, your face melts. So, I mean, this is a powerful God. And yet in Jesus, we can look at God. Maybe it's kind of like, you know, a solar eclipse is too bright to look at. It, it blinds you. So you have to wear those uh, those special glasses. But um, I like how Greg Boyd, my, my, my friend Greg Boyd, if you haven't read his books, um, he's, he's a great, great thinker on all of this. And he says, we see God, through the clouds like when you can't quite see the sun on an overcast day but you know that the sun is there and so Jesus allows us to see God uh without our spiritual cataracts right without without our blind spots without um we can we can see God without blinding ourselves and we can see God in plain sight without the clouds kind of cluttering it so we we you know have limited vision, but God helps us see a little bit better through Jesus. Jesus helps us see a whole lot better who God is. Uh, so, you know, for the record, I have really bad eyesight, and i I don't have if I don't have my glasses on, um, I can see sort of you know shapes and forms and colors, but not much else. It's it's just sort of a silhouette, and and that's sort of how I think. Um, you know, what I think it's like if, if we, we think about God without Jesus. Um, so we look at God, and God's able to become clearer and clearer when we put our our, our lenses on, and we think of of, of Jesus as, uh, as Colossians is the fullness of the deity in bodily form. So Jesus is a fulfillment of the law. And, um, I want to just dig into this a little bit, because, you know, I've done a lot of work on the death penalty and as i said in the last episode or two you know you can look at scripture and find all kinds of things uh, you can find whatever you want you know if you want to justify your violence you can find scriptures to to do that you can do the same with slavery with uh the oppression of women with um you know it's, it's amazing that um there's there's only like seven verses of scripture that they'll deal, deal with same-sex relationships and um they were all about exploitation and um abuse and yet like um and Jesus doesn't talk about same gender relationships and so it, like we we that's why some of this is hard to to figure out you know um and uh abortion is another one these have become things that have become the most important thing to many Christians sexuality and um same-sex marriage and and abortion which i'm going to talk about in more depth um in, in one of the future episodes but there's only one or two scriptures that really have implications um on abortion even though it was really prevalent in jesus's time and in in the you know the time of the hebrew scriptures thousands of years ago abortion was around but there's there's some of these issues i think are really hard in part Because Jesus didn't talk a lot about them. And it doesn't mean that they don't matter. I mean, Jesus didn't talk about nuclear weapons either. But I I think these things matter. Uh, But we've got to wrestle with them. We've got to look at the whole of the life of Jesus. We'll look at the whole of scripture. And and, uh, my friend, Reverend Barber, William Barber, he says, when we take our eyes off of Jesus, we can end up talking a lot about things that Jesus did not talk a lot about. And we can end up not talking much about the things that Jesus had a whole lot to say about. <laughs> and Jesus had a whole lot to say about poverty and oppression and justice. And um, there's over 2000 verses of scripture that talk about justice and God's heart for the poor. And and so... Um, these are some things that everyone who professes to be christian should care about and i you know i think one one of those uh those issues uh, is how we think about violence i mean jesus rebukes violence from his birth till his violent death on the cross and one of the the most well-known verses of the bible and i think one of the most misused uh verses of the bible is This idea of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So I want to just talk about it for a minute. I mean, um, Donald Trump was asked about the Bible and he said that's one of his favorite verses. Uh, There's been many folks that, as you look at polls of non-Christians and Christians, just general population, like an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth is one of the most well-known Bible verses in the world. But here's what's important is that... um, it was an idea that predated the Bible. It predated scriptures thousands of years old. And it was this ancient idea called lex talionis, the law of retaliation. It, it's quite literally where we get our idea of retaliation from, lex talionis. It's, it's the same concept. And what it allowed for was you could do reciprocal harm. You could hurt someone back in the same way that they hurt you. Uh, that was one framework for thinking about justice right is that if someone broke your arm you could break their arm and that would be justice so we've come to sort of use it as a license but if you look closely at all of the scholarship it wasn't meant to be a license for revenge it was meant to be a limit for the spiral of violence so that it didn't perpetuate itself right so we might think of of it as an eye for an eye no more. And it prohibited you from hurting someone more than they hurt you. So we we've, we've definitely, it was not meant to be a license for violence. It was meant to limit that escalating violence. You, you know, um uh and limiting violence is a good thing, uh, it, you know, to to stop that that spiral from perpetuating. But here's where Jesus shines so brightly, right? So Jesus comes, he says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you this, he says, Moses told you this, but I tell you this. And it's Jesus, as scripture says, I, I you know, I believe that Jesus was not um, coming to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So get this, right? Jesus is taking this even further. And in a sense, limiting violence was a good place to start. But now Jesus is going to suggest, even command us in saying, you've heard it said an eye for an eye, but I tell you this, don't even hurt them back. Love your enemy. There's a better way. It may be legal, but that doesn't make it right. Uh, you know, you may have the legal right to hurt them back, but that doesn't mean it's the best version of justice that we have. We can do, right? So, this idea of loving our enemy was so radical. So, D- Jesus teaches us, you know, a, a new command He gives us, right? But it was a, this idea of love, that as Jesus' followers, we shouldn't hurt those who hurt us, uh, we can do better than mirroring the evil done to us. We, not many of us are going to argue that if you poked my eye out, that the best justice we could do is me gouging your eye out. You know, we don't rape people who rape to show that rape is wrong. And yet somehow in, in some of our countries, like here in the United States, in, th- in the most severe cases of murder, we still hold out that logic that we can kill to show that killing is wrong. And yet what we end up doing is just emulating the evil that we're trying to heal the world of. That we, we lose sight of the fact that violence is the disease, not the cure. So we don't have to poke someone's eye out, even if they poked ours out. We don't have to repay evil with evil, but as Scripture says, we can return evil with good. As my mama to- taught me, two wrongs don't make a right. So isn't that beautiful? You know, I in fact, I have a Jewish friend, a, a rabbi who said he's, you know, unpacking all of this lex talionis, you know, the ancient law. And he says, um, not only did they technically have the death penalty, but they had more prohibitions, more things that would stop someone from being executed than um we can ever imagine. I've got a list of like over 50 of these things that were prohibitions for carrying out the death penalty. And he said, so like we had it on the books, but we never used it. In fact, the the rabbis used to say, if we have more than one execution in 70 years, something's wrong with our society and the death penalty isn't going to solve it. So there was this kind of deep suspicion of death. And my, my Jewish um, rabbinical friend, he says... <laughs> <laughs> and he says, and the, the the problem is that Christians keep using the Old Testament to justify the death penalty. And he said, you you misuse our you know Hebrew Hebrew scripture to justify the death penalty. Jewish folks don't even do that. We were abolitionists for hundreds of years. And he says, and you guys have Jesus that you still have to reconcile it all with. <laughs> So he kept saying, you got to keep coming back to Jesus. So there's this sense that returning harm for harm is not the best that we can do. And it's, isn't it beautiful that it's not the negation of that old law, but it is the fulfillment of it. Um, So I like how, um, you know, if, if, if our law, the the law is meant to allow people to flourish, to make sure that people are flourishing. And that's why Jesus can say, you know, he's the fulfillment of all that, that all of the law is summed up into this love, love God, love your neighbor. And so I like how Barbara Brown Taylor says it. She says this, the only clear line I draw these days is this, when my religion tries to come between me and my neighbor, I will choose my neighbor because Jesus never commanded me to love my religion. (laughs) Barbara Brown Taylor. You look at this idea that Jesus is the full revelation of God. And we can see now that these scriptures that we've even twisted to justify violence or the death penalty, um, that Jesus disrupts all of that. I think it's so important that, you know, uh, there, there are, ways of even understanding why Jesus died that can end up uh, with really violent theology, All right. We can, we can have a theology of Jesus's death or uh, you know, some call it penal substitutionary atonement, ways of th- fancy words, theological words. Why did Jesus die? And there are some versions that say God had a gun pointed at humanity, basically. God was getting ready to kill all of us. And then God took the gun off of us and pointed it at Jesus and killed Jesus. God killed Jesus to save the world. And some of these can end up revealing a God that is maybe easy to fear, but hard to love. And they can end. You, you end up with this really difficult uh, difficulty reconciling our theology. With God, and that's what I'm trying to, you know, reckon with in this this new book, Rethinking Life, is that um, Jesus is God with skin on. Jesus is, you know, and 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 we see Jesus, the Prince of Peace, as unmistakably nonviolent, blessing the peacemakers, interrupting violence at every turn. God is showing us that narrow way that leads to life. So uh, Jesus, the disruptor of violence, and we see it over and over. I mean, so beautifully when there's an execution of a woman caught in adultery, which incidentally was a capital crime. I mean, it's it's also worth noting that murder was not the only capital crime um, in the Hebrew scripture. There are over... There are dozens and dozens of death worthy crimes, uh, capital crimes in the Hebrew scripture, disrespecting your parents, um, working on the Sabbath. You know, sorcery. Even in the United States, we based some of our early laws in the colonies, um, and witchcraft was a capital crime. That's why we got the Salem witch trials, where we actually executed people. There were forms of sexuality that were uh, death worthy crimes. That's still the case in some countries like Uganda, where they're trying to pass laws that would carry out the death penalty for same sex relationships or something. I mean, this is absolutely twisted, deadly theology. And there are all kinds of ways that we can do that. So here's this woman. This is Jesus shining brightly, right? Where a woman is drug out, humiliated, and getting ready to be executed, and Jesus interrupts these men who are armed and ready. They've got their stones ready to stone this woman, and Jesus digs in the dirt. That's the first thing the Bible says, you know, in in the gospel story. He digs in the dirt, and um, we were asking some of the kids, "What do you think Jesus was writing in the dirt?" And uh, there were some really creative answers. One of them said, uh, Maybe Jesus wrote, where is the man? (laughs) Because they're only killing the woman and it takes two to tango. Uh, But one of the other kids said, uh, maybe Jesus wrote, if this doesn't work, run, woman. (laughs) (laughs) So we don't know what Jesus wrote in the dirt, but we know what he did next. And he says, let the one who is without sin cast the first stone all the stones begin to drop. And of course, he'll remind these men and all of us, you know, if you've looked at a woman with lust in your eyes, you've committed adultery in your heart. If you've called someone a a fool, you've committed murder uh, in, in your soul. That, 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 that None of us are above reproach, but none of us are beyond redemption either so these men you know they they drop their stones and walk away and there's jesus and a woman and he says where did they all go he says go and sin no more and you see a god you know in jesus we can see that the closer we are to god the less we should want to throw stones at other people the only one who had any right to throw a stone in that situation had absolutely no desire the closer we are to God, the less we should want to condemn and judge and kill and hurt other people. Not only did Jesus redeem the woman, but it's also been said that he redeemed the men. He saved them from that mob of monsters, of angry men. He humanized and disarmed and showed them another way that they didn't have to live with the burden of having killed that woman. So God's love prevails, y'all. There is another way. Jesus shows us a way that we can interact with evil without becoming evil. And Peter had to learn this, right? When the soldiers come to get Jesus, Peter, uh, who, you know, heard the sermon on the mount from Jesus himself, uh, he, he still impulsively picks up a sword and tries to defend Jesus. He cuts a guy's ear off. You probably know this story. It's profound in the gospel. And Jesus' r- response is unbelievable. Jesus scolds Peter after he hurt that man, and he says, "No, put that away." In fact, he says, "Enough of this. If you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Put it away, Peter." And then he he heals the man that Peter wounded. He puts the ear back on. <laughs> pop that back on there. And you think, how beautiful is that? The disciples got it. Peter got it. He never ends up picking up a sword again. In fact, he ends up dying, um, upside down, crucified on the cross with, in, in, in that same spirit that the early Christians over and over said, for Christ, we can die, but we cannot kill. Tertullian said, when Jesus disarmed Peter, he disarmed every one of us would dare call ourselves a christian no longer can we justify violence if ever there was a case for standing your ground as the national rifle association says, stand your ground jesus shows us another way it's about turning the other cheek. It's about wearing evil down with love. It's about saying there is something worth dying for, but nothing worth killing for. That's what we see in Jesus. A confrontation of violence. So I was planning on getting into the whole story of Jesus's death, but we'll have to do that on the next episode. I, I want to say if you're not a part of the red letter Christians movement, we need you. We're, we we got this powerful movement of of um, folks who say we want to live as if Jesus meant the stuff he said. We're aspiring to that. We fall short all the time, but it was Gandhi who was asked about Christianity, and Mahatma Gandhi said, uh, "I love Jesus. I just wish the Christians acted more like him." So we want to act more like Jesus. We want to love like Jesus. When Jesus said this, there. Greater love is no one than this, than to lay down their life for another. In Jesus, God was willing to die to show us a new way forward. God rebuked our propensity to violence. That's what happened in Jesus. And that word, Christian, means Christ like. Jesus is the center of everything. The lens through which we interpret scripture, the lens through which we understand how to live in the world, it's all about Jesus. And Jesus makes it so clear, right, that whatever we do to the least of these, we do unto him. This is what Christianity, how it manifests itself and how it impacts the least of these. So if our gospel is not good news to the poor, it's not the good news of Jesus. If our gospel is not about blessing the peacemakers and beating swords into plows and loving those who hate us, then it is not the gospel of Jesus. If it's not about welcoming refugees, Say amen, somebody. If it's not a, about welcoming immigrants and refugees, knowing that when we welcome the stranger, we are welcoming Christ, it is not Christianity. Oh, true religion, scripture says, is caring for the widow and the orphan and keeping ourselves from being corrupted by this world. So stay centered on Jesus, y'all. And don't give up on Jesus because of the embarrassing things that Christians have done in his name. I've said that before and I'll say it again. We've done a lot of things to twist the cross. And when you twist a cross, you get a swastika. You can do all sorts of terrible things. You can create deadly theology, but God is love and love looks like Jesus. I got to go, y'all. It's been a good, good little half hour together. Talk to you next week.